correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPGs, a podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Hey folks, what's up? Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm here tonight with Steve. What's up, Steve? Hey. And we're going to talk about some RPGs, or RPG stuff, or... (laughs) Maybe something completely different, but... I don't know. All of the above, probably. <laughs> well, as as, um, as as Ben told us after having met us at Gamer Nation Con, yes, I have met your attention span, but just briefly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, before we get into all the rambling for this week, uh, what's our podcast of the week this week, Steve? Our podcast for the week this week is The Forge. Ooh, The Forge. Yeah. Yeah. Hooli and Chris. Um, yep. Everything you ever wanted to know or thought you might need to know about Genesis and creating stuff for it. Little Birdie has has told me that there is a new episode very soon to be released. And uh, yeah, well, Hooli's an honorary Steve, so. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. So that'll be a good time. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, like if you're looking for other gaming podcasts, there's a ton of them on the D20 Network site, so. Go check that out. Check out the blog and all that other fun gaming goodness. Oh, yeah. Well, we put out a call to action this week for a show topic. But right before you posted the call to action independently, Blue Nova sent me a message. Mm-hmm. And it went, uh, hey, listen to the latest episode and was curious if you had or want to expand further on character advancement that isn't mechanical or stat based looking more so for like narrative based advancement. Um, and you hit post on the thing as I finished reading that. Sent the DM me the DM about it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so we're going to pick that first and then we're going to work through the list of things. Cause I saw, we got a ton of responses for Patreon questions Mm -hmm. and that's, that's great. That helps us a lot because, Mm -hmm. uh, it's hard sometimes for us to keep coming up with new topics. Yeah, well, and, it's just, yeah, like there's stuff you want to talk about, but it's like, well, we kind of talked about that and then it's kind of close to this or, you know, and then, you know, I need to work on, or, you know, maybe we've got something like that. We're going to talk about with a guest that's coming up that I haven't got scheduled yet or, right. you know, right. You know, cause I am working on getting some more people scheduled. Um, well, we've both just, sort of been in a bit of a weird flux <laughs> at this point anyways. Well, you know, so just earlier this afternoon, I was putting a new motor in my air conditioning unit. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like I said, we're going to work through those eventually. But back to the question at hand, um, mm. I think flavor advancement's great. Oh, uh, I, I put I personally believe that it's better to start with a blank slate character and then develop a backstory for them as the adventure continues versus actually dedicating a backstory and then adventuring. Because oftentimes the story 
that you tell from playing the game is way more fantastical than the one you came up with, at least in my experience. Uh, yeah. And having seen you kind of do that, I, I get what you're saying. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think, so to speak, narrative advancement is, for lack of a better word, the point. Well, yes. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I tend to... I, 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 I tend to agree with you. I, I tend to agree with you in in that way, but I, I think sometimes people are looking for, I don't know. They're, they're not looking at the bigger picture, right? They're looking at their character going, how did my character narratively develop out of this? And I don't know how to, um, I don't know as a GM, how to express that a character has grown. I think it's all mostly up to the players. I, I think, well, I think, yes, it's because I think that 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 growth or advancement is is something that the player should be expressing. So uh, I, I mean, I, I don't know how you encourage it. I'm sh- definitely as a GM, I'm not entirely sure how you would do that other than, you know, thinking about how does the world react to them? Right, right. And I, th- you know. As much as it's it's not generally my flavor of, of gaming, I feel like fantasy is is kind of the easiest one to point to with this. Like, you know, as your characters advance, you know, mechanically through the story, and and to a certain point, this is going to happen. I, I think cyberpunk has that mechanic that no one really ever uses called reputation, um, where it's supposed to affect how NPCs react to you, et cetera. It really, it's more like you can put a score down there, but I, I don't think, I think trying to track it like a score is what kind of defeats the purpose, but I think, <laughs> yeah, I think you could do so sidebar. I think you could do a really interesting cyberpunk story. If you made your players use that Probably. because you could get to this point where if your players pick up on it, they're dumping points into that and going, I'm building an army. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think could be a really interesting cyberpunk game. Cause but that, there is a, a narrative advancement for you right there. Just, right. I'm building an army. Right. So your well, character is trying to, you know, I think the funny thing is that you could, I think the way to do it would be to make the campaign not revolve around that. And see if your players pick up on the fact that, like, you encourage them to use that reputation stat. Mm-hmm. It's more so what I'm driving at. But yeah. So again, it, well, this kind of crosses between mechanical and narrative. But um, I've heard it posited that the uh, obligation mechanic in Star Wars can be used, so to speak, two ways. That like. You know, if you're trying to cut a deal with, you know, some huts or other crime lords, that if you don't already have enough obligation, they're just going to be like, you're small potatoes. I'm not dealing with you. Where, So I think that's where I think you need to, as a GM, think about, you know, what may the world have found out about the deeds of this little band of miscreants? which is, let's be honest, what most parties end up being in some form or other. They may be well-intentioned, but <laughs> they're often, you know, not, uh, you know, paragons of virtue, if you will. Right. 
but I think, you know, there's going to be some sort of renown or reputation that this crew develops or, you know, hey, did you hear about the people that, that did X, Y, Z? Oh, yeah, that was us. Oh, that was you, you know, and, 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 and play off that. But I think that's like, boy, I just feel like that's kind of the just the way that the story should work, that actions have reactions and consequences and both good and bad, right? Because I think too many times when people say actions have consequences, we think of that only in the undesirable side of the comment. Right. You know, and and I, I'm not at all saying that, like, I, I don't think, I think tracking it, like, in, like, the, the World of Warcraft with the reputation scores, you know, I don't, I'm sure you played at some point, you know, and, and, but you have these different factions and you can gain rep with them. And if your rep gets so high, you can get, you know, special tabards or blah, 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 blah. Right. Right. Well, I feel like that kind of thing, or even how, um, and actually maybe this is a, cause I don't remember it actually being a score, but remember you ever played Sid Meier's pirates. Mm, yes. Yeah. Remember how you could, build or lose favor with the different, like the Dutch or the French or the Spanish, depending on, I think that's kind of the thing you want to shoot for is, well, you did a favor for this group. So yeah, they like you. you, So now you have, yeah. But I think, you know, that's, that's more on, on the party as a whole. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on how you might do it for individual characters? Um, It's kind of, it's it hmm. so i think it would work in something like star wars or let's say okay let's say you're playing uh cyberpunk and you're setting it in the uh canonical setting at the canonical setting time that like the book follows mm-hmm. right so you're not any farther ahead or any further behind you could in theory use characters from the book and be like, okay, you have favor with these people mm-hmm. as like, as a character, maybe they do something particularly good for, uh, I don't know, one of the Arasaka reps or something, mm-hmm. one of the named ones in the book. And so that particular character has favor with that rep, you know, it's, it's one of those type things. I think you could do that. You just have to, it would have to be like, it wouldn't be any of the settings we like to really dig our teeth into, which are those, you know, sort of homemade generic settings. Well, but I think you can, even with that, you could maybe say to, maybe you could ask your GM and be like, Hey, I'm making a character. Are there any of this type of person in this world? And what do they mean to it? And maybe your GM will pick up like, Oh, well maybe I should build something around that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's weird because I feel like it's what should happen, but I'm struggling to think of how to say it. Other than I think that some of it goes to a living world, not just only things happening where they're at, you know, and I, I think that it got mentioned somewhere that, you know, what about, you know, getting gear or, you know, followers or or whatever. And I feel like the gear thing is an advancement. I mean, some games, you know, cyberpunk is a gear heavy game. Right. Um, so yeah, as they 
advance and become better at what they do. They should be getting money to get better toys. Right, right. But I don't think you want to fall into the loop 100% either that, like, I think it was when we talked with Eddie Webb about Pugmire, how, you know, the the, the basic loop for D&D is kill stuff, get loot, you know, right, trade loot right. in for better weapons, go kill bigger stuff, you know, and just... Um, yeah, I think that works in certain games. But yeah, I agree that in most in most games that doesn't swing quite that way. Um, I think that particular loop works really well in like a mecha game, but that's a thought. Um, well, yeah. But no, I get where you're coming from that like gear as an advancement is maybe also like just you telling your story some more as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is which is interesting. Yeah, I it's it's I mean there's a lot of stuff you can do, but I guess maybe too could it be could you give them stuff that okay, so maybe gear technically, right? But maybe they get a signet ring from a lord in in a, in a more fantasy or medieval setting. Mm-hmm. You know, something like that, a piece of gear that doesn't have necessarily a statistical bonus or whatever. But- Gives them some favor or some clout, maybe some narrative clout. Okay, I see what you're saying. That would work really good too. You know, I mean, you know, any, anything like that. You know, a, a signet ring or, or like, you know, even in in cyberpunk, maybe it's a gang patch. Right. Right. You know, something like that. I mean, yeah, it it's going to definitely require. If if you're doing it something like that, I think it's going to require some work on the GM side to set stuff up, but I don't think that's a bad thing. And I don't think it takes a lot of work. Like, it's it's pretty easy to, unless you're planning on telling a completely different story, but you got to figure that, see, that's the thing is that, like, as a GM, you got to figure that your players are going to tell the story that they want to tell. You're just going to give hooks around that. Mm-hmm. And... Like if your players are coming to you and going, hey, or a player is coming to you and going, hey, I'd like to do this narrative thing. Why not indulge their narrative thing and see if you can tell an interesting, you know, tie it in in some way? Because mm-hmm. I've seen so much. I, I'm I'm really, you know, I laugh and it's, you know, everybody says uh, that campaign doesn't survive first in co- first contact with players. Right. Mm hmm. But it's like, that's not necessarily, like, I, I feel like that's such a narrow-minded mindset. But anyways, it's a completely different episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think being part of that narrative as a GM is exciting yeah. and fun. And I would jump on something if my players came to me and was like, I want to do this. That's why I usually, like, I have a player now that had some really interesting ideas. And yeah. he's like, you just keep saying yes. I'm like, yeah, because they're cool and I want to see what you do with it. Yeah, and I think that's, at some point, I think saying yes to your players is good just because it encourages them to give you more ideas. Well, yeah. You know, not just in the in the context of, yes, they're having fun, but just it gives you more ideas. And, and you know, I know your brain works a lot like mine in that regard where, okay, they want this, so I can do this with it and twist this part this way. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think... I know as a player, if I kind of throw a tidbit to the DM and the DM takes it and run with it, now I'm like, ooh, they like my idea. So then I try to get more of them. Right, exactly. 
and that becomes the game and that game is a lot of fun <laughs> that back and forth yeah because you're engaged even more right. you know not just that you're paying it but you're you feel like and i think as you should but you feel like you have some more ownership of the story right and i think maybe that's is that the kind of the point of so to speak narrative advancement is that working together to build the story that you know yes the main story is we're traveling to mount doom to fight the evil overlord diddlywop but sharing the story along the way and having you know your character whatever is i don't know i i know what i'm thinking i'm just struggling to actually say it you know what i mean yeah it's i don't know yeah maybe that is just the point of the story um you know, like the real story is the friends we made along the way. Right. Yeah. 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 I got you. I got you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yes, there's, there's the bigger, so to speak, narrative, mm-hmm. but the, the real, it's kind of like, and, and well, you're listening to me and Steve. So you're used to tangents and weird re- relations of things. It's kind of like how you've heard me talk about the bonds mechanic in Delta green, Right. The Bonds mechanic has jack crap to do with the main campaign, really. Right. But to me, that is the core of campaign. (laughs) To me, that is the core of campaign play in that system because it reflects how it reflects the toll that dealing with all the crap that these agents are seeing, all the weird, screwed up crap the toll that it takes on them in their relationships with other people. Right. Yeah. That's and, <laughs> well that, and then like the carrying that through and then the narrative stuff in the rule book around, you know, a, a character that you're carrying over from previous campaigns or previous adventures. Mm-hmm. Like that's really cool. I, I really, really like that. And I think maybe that's like a narr- that's a tool that's a, a, a written rule that you could point to as the exact example of this and be like, this is how this is done right. Th- yes. Thank you. Cause I, I remember that was one of those things that I remember when we talked with Ken Height and we were talking about various things. And and that was one thing that he gleefully pointed out that he had stolen from Greg Stoltze for uh Fall of Delta Green. Right. And, and like, I think for, for really when, when you see something that another accomplished game designer went, yes, I took that from this person. That's kind of saying, you know, that is just this beautiful little nugget of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think, yeah, that's that, like you said, that's, that's kind of the, the example to point to of this is what you're going for, whether you have stats for it or not. Right. And, and, you know, the, the use of that mechanic is simply a way to reduce, you know, in, in that system, it's still called sanity. Um, but it, it basically what it allows you to do is project some of that stress onto a relationship instead of dealing with it with the creature monster situation in front of you. Right. It, and it, it reflects a little bit like... It reflects reality, which is what that game is meant to do. Right. You know, somebody wouldn't be, somebody wouldn't just 
suck it up and deal with that forever. They it would wear at them and beat them down. Right. So I mean, maybe know. that's that's kind of what you're going for, right? Is is to think about you know what does spending two weeks you know slogging through some giant you know dungeon how does that make your character relate differently to the rest of the world or to you know take another and and this one's a little fresh in my mind just because well i'll get to that in a second but um think of you know as a a more current real life example think of i'm sure most of us know someone who is say an afghan war veteran and some of them have real troubles readapting to civilian life. You know, that was, um, my wife and I have been binging old seasons of Survivor. Right. And we just finished up the one where the guy who won was a Marine Afghan combat vet. And he talked about, you know, how part of the reason he went on the show was to kind of force himself to relearn some of those social skills and see if he could do it but also to do that in a place where other vets could see that and go, okay, yeah, we can do this too. Right. You know, I have, uh, and I haven't talked with him much in, in a few years, but I used to have a pretty good friend that was, you know, also a, a combat vet. And yeah, there were just different things, you know, th- the way they interact with people, the way like he would subconsciously stand at parade rest all the time. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't even realize he was doing it. Yeah. And, and I think that's a, and I think you need to be careful that you're not doing things that kind of cheapen anyone else's experience, but kind of taking that as, as an example of something, does your character, you know, I don't know, did, did they, you know, are, are, are they paranoid about certain right, things right, in, yeah. in certain conditions because X, Y, and Z happened repeatedly to them in adventures right or you know i mean you could even take it more on a comedic route right that you know just because of an absurdly lucky role or or something they now believe that certain situations can't hurt them (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean like just you know what i mean we've all had those those circumstances where your character got obnoxiously lucky and and something didn't hurt them that really should have. So do you have some fun with that and now have your character believe that? Yeah, they're impervious to this and they're not. I think that's funny. I always enjoy doing that. I I, I do that as a when I pay, play like dumb characters or you know traditionally dumb characters. I do that. Like um, if if I if I like do super well during a combat. He just gets so full of himself. Yeah. Uh, or or do you have a character that develops a superstition regarding a certain piece of gear they have? Right. You know, that maybe there's nothing... Spe- and, and certain systems have some... I think at least the older editions of Earthdawn had mechanics where the longer you carried a weapon, it started developing properties. Hmm. You know, so like just because... You know, it may have, when you first got it, just been a regular great axe. Right. But now that you've adventured with it for, you know, so long, now it, it, it does actually does certain things, whether that's just in your head or, you or know what I mean? it's actually happening. Yeah, that's neat. 
but stuff like that would be, you know, like it's, it's, you know, your rogue's lucky dagger. Right. Maybe nothing special. It might be, you know, again, D and D terms, it might just be a plus one dagger, but he thinks it's his lucky dagger, you know, stuff like that, I think could be fun to play with. And, you know, what yeah, I, mean? I, think, I think it could be fun to play with. I think you could tell a really interesting story with that stuff and you get your players really involved in it. And, your players being involved in the story is engagement and engagement is a good thing. I mean, it, it's just period at the end of the day. But I think, you know, and I think I mentioned this before, but I think a lot of this too goes to just make your world alive as a GM. Yeah. Don't, don't do a two dimensional world. I, I, I love, I, I think it's funny. My players like to tell me how much they really enjoy me as a storyteller. And I, I don't like tooting my own horn. I really don't. I don't think I'm that great. I leave my world sort of vague. But the one feedback that I always get is, oh, man, I love how you bring these characters. And I'm like, you tell me what characters live here. And like I, def I def define what it may roughly look like. But if they're looking for a they're looking for a blacksmith, there is going to be a blacksmith. Right. Mm -hmm. Or maybe there isn't a blacksmith and maybe I'm doing that for a purpose. Right. But mm -hmm. my players define and it's like, yeah. And having a living world where, you know, they walk into a tavern. Is it full or is it empty? Well, if you define what a full tavern looks like and then proceed to define an empty tavern, the emptiness sort of adds a little bit of ambience, like mm -hmm. adds a little bit to the. Oh, why is the tavern empty? Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Right. Well, I think too, though, in, in a living world, now the actions that you choose to take can mean, or, or let me rewind that a second. The action you choose not to take can be as important as the action you choose to take. Right. And so in, in making that world alive where things happen, not just where your players are. Right. You know, exactly. And, and yeah, I've been, I've, I've been doing that in my D and D campaign has been, they leave a place in, if they run from somewhere and they're like, okay, we're just going to leave it and come back later. That place may not be the same as what it was when you left. And it probably mm -hmm. won't be. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know where this fits in, but I'm going to relate know. something that, that is come into my mind because of this. And this was, um, Liam from Mud and Blood loves to talk about this, that uh, something that uh, a friend of his who GM'd a campaign for them did, they were playing this, I think it was Warhammer 2nd Edition, and they were playing this pretty long campaign, and they get to the one session, and the GM passes them out all new character sheets, and they're for these beastmen or whatever. And they ended up, they were this tribe of, you know, so they played, say, three or four sessions as these characters who, as they figured out a few more sessions down the road, were actually the leaders of this horde of beastmen that they were going to deal with as their main characters. Right, right. And and so, you know, he said it just gave so much of a different and interesting perspective. And also just like, as a player, it was like, oh, we played these guys. We know how much of a badass they are. Well, and it, yeah, it also gives it some weight. Yeah. You realize you go from you go from they're not characters to oh I I played that guy. <laughs> yeah, and I think 
I don't know if that's narrative character advancement, but I think that's a really interesting tool to use in a game. No, I think it's narrative world advancement at the very least. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it, it, in the story, because it's like, if you think about it, our, our, as the players in an RPG game, I think we're, you know, we're the viewer in, in the movie, so to speak. Right. And, and this came up actually, uh, in a discussion on the discord and Instawin was talking about a setup he was going to use in his star Wars campaign, um, where there was going to be like this, like cut scene. He was going to just read the scenario to his, his players about this Imperial Sergeant, stormtrooper Sergeant, whatever, you know, who's almost done with his enlistment, you know, it's got like a week left before he gets to go home and, and, you know, do whatever. And then as the adventure itself plays out, you know, they have an encounter with this guy and his squad. And my first thought was, wow, that's a really, really cool thing. But if your players are playing in character, they don't know that story. Right. But it's a really cool story. Oh, yeah. And and I know he specifically mentioned he was curious to see if it changed how his players approached the encounter. And I wonder, you know, again, my first thought was if they if they do, then they're not playing in character. But is that me being, you know, a a stick in the mud about, well, what would you know, what does your character know as opposed to are we participating in a story? And I'm not sure there's a right answer. No, I was going to say, I I think I'm not going to say the right answer, but I think an answer is probably, eh, it's okay. (laughs) Oh yeah. Like, but, but you know what I'm saying? But so I guess part of the question is why are you playing? You know, are you playing to act out as, you know, Zedek Dishwa, the, the, you know, Rodian bounty hunter, are you playing to contribute the role of Zedek to this greater Star Wars story that we're telling? Right. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I think I just created a whole new show topic on accident. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, well, on that on that note, uh, I think we go ahead and move into Game of the Week. Uh, game of the Week! Woohoo! Game of the Week! All right. Uh, I have a game, but do you want to go first? Sure, sure. I can go first. So I know you and I have had a couple conversations around at least one, if not more, Facebook posts we saw about people asking, what game should you use to play John Wick? (laughs) Did you find a tabletop (laughs) RPG about finding a tabletop (laughs) RPG to play John Wick? (laughs) Close. Oh. Um. Actually, what I did find is that apparently it's still partially in development. Okay. But the John Wick tabletop RPG. <laughs> well, I found a quick start. Oh, nice. That specifically cites John Wick as an influence. Okay. It's called Outgunned. Hmm. Um, it says it's a cinematic action RPG inspired by the classics of action and heist, from Die Hard to True Lies, passing through James Bond, Lethal Weapon, Kingsman, Ocean's Eleven, Hot Fuzz, and the latest John Wick. Hmm. Um, that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. You know, I I haven't actually purchased slash downloaded it yet. It's technically pay once you want. 
suggested price of all of a dollar for a 71 page kick quick start. Um, it's using a game system they call director's cut that they say uses small pools of six sided dice to determine the outcome of heroes actions. And when you roll, you're not actually looking to add, you know, like you're not looking for high roll, low roll, whatever you're looking for two, three, four of a kind. Uh, okay. Yahtzee. Kind of. Yeah. Kind of a Yahtzee <laughs> mechanic, which I think is, yeah. That's Yahtzee poker. Yeah. Dice poker. Um, so yeah, I don't know a ton about it. It's, um, it's from a company called two little mice. Okay. It looks to be perhaps originally done in Italian. Hmm. Uh, because it's, the listing is in both languages. Okay. Um, at least I believe it's Italian. Um, I know it's not Spanish and it's not French, so maybe it's Portuguese. I don't know. Here, let me show you the. Send you the link. Oh, wrong, wrong window. Where are we at? Where are we at? Where are we at? No, there we go. Oh, uh, but yeah, it, it it might be the answer to to play that John Wick. Um, let's be honest. Lethal Weapon could be kind of fun too. Yeah, I look at this cover and immediately my brain goes to red. Do you remember the the film franchise Red with uh, I do. um okay go ahead yeah but I don't know that I've seen I think I actually own Red two on DVD but I've never seen Red one oh but I okay. don't think I've ever watched Red two either oh the other one the Expendables yeah the Expendables is a good one Red's kind of a comedy Expendables but it's got just as many like it's got legitimate actors like it's got Bruce Willis and all these all these characters and reds like i really enjoy that first red movie mm -hmm. um but that's what this comes reminds me of but yeah that looks really cool all right well moving on to mine unless you have more thoughts um not per se uh the other thing that i don't know what to cover what was that one and i i've only seen part of it but the one where Angelina Jolie does that stupid thing where she arcs the bullet around the chamber. Oh, wanted. Yeah, that was one of those early, uh, late 2000s uh, comic book movies. That's that's not a great film. <laughs> yeah, it, that was the kind of the impression I got. But all right. Uh, okay. So I have a two pager. Pay what you want. Uh, called Clean Out Your Desk. <laughs> okay. Well, it's actually one page. So it's a one page RPG designed for gaming over web calls from your desk at home. The premise is that you've been fired and are out for comedic revenge, but only have access to the things that are on your actual real life desk. <laughs> this is a dangerous game for people to play with people like you and me. I know, but it actually, looks Actually, probably so most fun. gamer people. Yeah, it because, looks. Like, I mean. <sighs> You know, I've got this weird corkscrew thingy here. Oh, yeah. Um, I got stuff laying everywhere. I got a crescent wrench here because I couldn't get the uh, coaxial connection off my modem the other day. Got a couple of padlocks. <laughs> um, oh, here, here. I have uh, a used compression end for a coax cable. There you go. But there's no cable in it. I must have been testing out my uh, end printer on her thingies. Yeah. Um, I've got a bunch of like little clippy things yeah no it's actually it's... actually you want to see the real the weird thing that's handy to my desk what's that copy of riffs oh <laughs> no 
Nice. My Scooby-Doo soap dispenser. Nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this I, just looks like a good time. I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, this just looks it, that, That's definitely... I, I, I'm definitely going to have to look that one up. And, and Wow. Yeah. Someone's going to have to run this with our Monday night group. Oh, I know. I know. I got to figure out... I'm going to read it when I get off here and <laughs> figure it out. I don't even want to think about the stuff that's going to come up on the desks of these people. Oh, man. Oh, man. It's just not. This is going to be a good time. <laughs> we got to make sure we record it. Oh. But, yeah, that's that. And with all that being said, I want to thank everyone for listening. Um, yes. As always, links to everything are in the show notes. Um, Facebook, Discord, Twitter, Patreon, as you've heard, if you're a Patreon guest, you do get a couple, uh, little bonus things. So maybe check us out there. Mm -hmm. I have a Patreon episode about halfway done. Okay. I have one that I started and haven't gotten back to yet. Um, yeah. And as always, uh, links to everything said that already, um, remind you to be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs. Yep. Take care, y'all. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at andrpgs. Find us on Facebook at meandsteverpgpodcast. On Discord at meandsteverpgs. And as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you, and be kind to one another. Cigar. Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that.